Welcome to Milk Carton Kids Podcast. I'm Katie Bocci. And I am Katie Riggle. And this is episode seven. We're almost in double digits. <laughs> I know. I read this little article that said that most podcasts don't get to episode 10. So. Oh, really? No. Yeah. They, or they get to 10 and then they, they stop. So we're almost yeah, there. Right? We're doing good. <laughs> We're going to start by talking about some of the issues on the Missing and Exploited Children's website each episode now. There are about 14 that they list, um, and we just think it's a good way to bring additional information to you guys, and then we'll get into our cases. So what we're going to talk about today is the other types of missing. So in addition to runaways, family abductions, and non-familial abductions, there are two other categories that the NCMEC handles. And that is lost, injured, or otherwise missing, and critically missing young adults. A lost, injured, or otherwise missing child is defined as a child who has disappeared under unknown circumstances or a child who is too young to appropriately be considered an endangered runaway. This ranges from a child wandering off and becoming lost to a child who may have been abducted, but no one saw it happen. These circumstances sometimes involve foul play, or those reporting the incidents may have attempted to cover up a crime involving the child. Though not legally children, NCMEC also helps law enforcement with cases of critically missing young adults ages 18, 19, and 20. A critically missing young adult is one who is at an elevated risk of danger if not located as soon as possible due to circumstances surrounding their disappearance. Given the broad nature of these two categories, it can be difficult to determine patterns that may increase risk. However, some characteristics may be common. So these risk factors are young children, especially those with autism, wander from a known location after being drawn away by someone of in- something of interest, such as following a pet, an animal, or other children, or they run into something that they are attracted to, like bodies of water, traffic signs, trains, etc. Young children can be unaware of being lost and may not feel worried or lonely for some time, increasing the distance that they stray. Children may be unaware of how to return home, but try to get back on their own. And Katie's going to give some of the numbers. Yeah, so um, of the 20,500 cases reported to the NCMEC in 2016, 2% of them were critically missing young adults and 1% were lost, injured, or otherwise missing children. Between January 1st of 2012 and December 31st of 2016, over 900 AMBER alerts were issued. 6% of these were for the lost, injured, or otherwise missing children. And the uh, here's a little bit of what the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children is doing about it. So they start by teaching best practices and procedures. So they are committed to providing training, technical assistance, and resources at no cost to law enforcement and other personnel who investigate the cases of crimes against children, specifically cases of missing children and child sexual exploitation. They're also raising public awareness to bring them home. Uh, So they 
So through photo partners in the private sector, they coordinate the creation and dissemination of missing child posters to targeted areas requested by law enforcement to help generate leads and gain the public's help in the search for these children. And another way the public can help in the recovery efforts is by signing up at the Adam program to receive missing child alerts that are specific to your area. Yeah, I actually signed up for that. And oh, I signed I up for like emails for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Yeah. It's so easy as a child to just like kind of wander off. I went missing when I was little at Yosemite for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, someone brought me back to my mom. Yeah. My parents. So it's so easy. It is. And I mean, I know we joke about it all the time, but it's just like, I mean, even just being in a store, like going to like Walmart or Target and like being a kid and like seeing something that you want and you're just like, as an adult, you're like, let me go look at this. And then, but it's like, as a kid, they're like, oh, I want this toy. Mm -hmm. And then you just, you don't even think about like your parent following you or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's real scary. Yeah. That's why we say stay alert. Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay, so our cases kind of fall in this type of issue of missing mm-hmm. children. So I think, Katie, it's your turn to go first. So if you want to yeah. share your story first. Yeah. Um. So I chose uh, Miss Myra Lewis this week, Um. and she is out of Camden, Camden, Mississippi, and went missing on March 4th um, of 2014 when she was um, about three years old and um, she was last seen um, playing outside in their front home on Mount Pilgrim Road in Camden. Um, And she was last seen between 10.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. And so at the time she had gone missing, her mother, Erica, had gone to the grocery store telling her and her sisters to go inside the house where her father, Gregory Lewis, was looking um, while he was looking after their other one-month-old child. Uh, and the, the crazy thing about it, and I feel like, I mean, I don't, I'm not a parent, I don't know, but is she had gone missing because, unfortunately, both the parents thought that Myra was with the other. Yeah. So the, um, Erica had told her to go inside with her father while her father had thought that Myra had gone to the store with Erica. Um, I think that could be an easy thing. Yeah. Happens. Yeah. And that's where it's just, I, and you know, it's that kind of, you're like trusting your child where like, Hey, go inside with your dad. I'm going to the store. And then it's like, unless you, you trust them to go inside and then, you know, they don't do that. And it's like, you really don't know unless you physically see them walk inside. Yeah. Um, and it's a little part of just some, some miscommunication between her parents. Um, so as a result, no one realized that she was missing until about 3 p.m. that day. And after an hour of searching, he, the father had gone out on his ATV 
Um, but he had tried to get the family dogs to track her, um, despite them being trained dogs, um, to go oh, and track really? them. So they're yeah. like trackers, like they, mm-hmm. like hunting dogs? Or- yeah, I was going to say, I, I assume they were more like hunting dogs to where you give them like a scent and they're used to like mm-hmm. smelling out where like an animal would be. And I think, I think he thought they would most likely do the same thing. Um, and he didn't call the cops yet at that point? Not at that time. So he just went out on their land first with the dogs and just wanted mm-hmm. to um, take a look for her himself. Um, but it wasn't long afterwards that they proved the search efforts proved fruitless. So they did call the police. Canines were dispatched and brought in to track her instead because police canines are a little more trained to search for like humans. Mm-hmm. And um, they also had no success. After a very extensive search of the area, they turned up absolutely no sign of her. And very little to none information is actually available in the whereabouts of her in her case. Um, both the family house, the family land was searched and the entire family was taken in for lie detector test. And the police say that all the family members were extremely cooperative and their family SUV checked out with nothing significant reported from it. And they all passed the lie to test. So they literally have absolutely nothing to to go on to even, even search for her. But into this day, she's... So she is still missing... Um, but at one point there were reported, um, there was reported that there was a possible sighting of her in Memphis, Tennessee. A worker at a hotel said that she thought she saw Myra with some man, but when police arrived, the pair were already gone. And that was all the information that was given on that. So it's, I mean, it's possible she could have just been lured out of the front yard and abducted by this man. Um, but, it's just so tough. Like you just miss them just by a short period of time to be able to question. Yeah, them. yeah. Wow. So, but she, um, so yeah, she's still missing to this day. You can find a um, small age progression of her. Um, she was two years old at the time she went missing, so she would be, uh, she'd be about seven now. Yeah, so she would be, she would be seven years old now, um, and she was. Two foot ten and weighed twenty seven pounds. Aww. She was a small little African American female. Yeah, so. she definitely fits that other type of missing where she's just too young to be like she didn't run away. Exactly. Like, yeah. Whatever happened to her, she just you know wandered off or Ex- and was you know, was found being abducted. Yeah. Like someone saw her. Maybe she was out front. She didn't want to go inside yet, and then someone saw her. Poor baby girl. I know. Seeing a photo, you just want to, like, hug her. Like, she just looks so just adorable and innocent, as they all do. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely share her picture and her age progression. Mm -hmm. I finally caught up on Instagram with all of my – the pictures and stuff, so – from the past episodes, Mm -hmm. so now we're, like, (laughs) up on that. So I got my case this week from Ryan's mom. She had sent me a text on this little boy named William Terrell. And he actually is from Australia. This is 
one from overseas. So mm-hmm. um, I got my information from Wikipedia and news.com slash AU. Okay. So on September 11th, 2014, three-year-old William Terrell, his foster parents, and his five-year-old sister traveled four hours from Sydney, Australia to visit his foster mother's mother in Kendall, Australia. His foster grandmother's house on Benaroo Drive is directly across the Bushland Road from the Kendall State Forest, about 35 kilometers, 22 miles south of Port Macquarie. Between 10 and 10.25 a.m. on September 12th, Terrell and his sister were playing hide-and-seek in the front and backyard while his foster mother and foster grandmother were sitting outside watching them. His foster mother went inside to make a cup of tea. She became worried though after she had not heard him play for five minutes and began searching the yard and house. Terrell's foster father returned after going to Lakewood on business and he began searching the streets and knocking door to door to the neighbor's house. At 10.56, his foster mother phoned the emergency services to report him missing, and the police arrived at 11.06. His foster mother's last memory was that Terrell was imitating a tiger roar while running towards the side of the home, and then there was silence, and he had just disappeared. His mom looked for him, but there was no success. Hundreds of police, members of state emergency services, rural fire services, and members of the community searched that day and night Specialist police, including the sex crime squad from Strike Force, were immediately formed. Motorcycles and helicopters were brought in to search. 200 volunteers searched overnight. Hundreds of people combed rugged terrain around the home, and police divers searched waterways and dams. The police searched every house in the estate that surrounds Benaru Drive several times. The police dogs were brought in, and they managed to detect Terrell's scent but only within the boundaries of the backyard. A strike force was established with trained investigators from State Crime Command who are experienced in the unexplained disappearance of young children. They supported the police, other emergency services workers, and members of the public involved in these searches. So after five days, police said that they were unable to come up with any leads. The police later began investigating into finding the drivers of two cars that were seen parked on a dead-end road on the morning of Terrell's disappearance, which I don't know why that was, like, a later thought for these people, because you would think that, like, that would be one of the prime things that they would look for. Yeah. Yeah. So the cars were parked between two driveways of the acre lot of land. They were seen with their driver's side windows down, and they were unknown in the neighborhood where just everybody knew each other there. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of an out-of-place thing. Yeah. So these cars were noticed by Terrell's mother, and they have not been seen again since the time he disappeared. The police regard these particular vehicles as suspicious. They seem to be there. There seems to be no logical reason why they would be parked on that street before William's disappearance. Hmm. I feel like that is a key part in like getting answers. Yeah, and if no one in the neighborhood knew who they were, like, w- why were you just yeah. sitting there? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Reportedly at 9 a.m., a green or gray sedan car drove past the Terrell home while William and his sister were riding their bikes in the driveway. 
the car drove into a no through road and did a U-turn in the neighbor's driveway and drove out of the street. Secondly, another four-wheel drive was sighted driving out of the Benaru Drive about 10.30 a.m., about the time he disappeared. The same vehicle was later seen speeding down another Kendall Street, which is suspicious. Mm-hmm. The police said that they have known about these cars since the investigation, but as part of the investigative strategy, the information about these vehicles were not released until 12 months after William disappeared. I feel like that's a long time to not release information that could help. Yeah, unless they are getting like active like tips that are true helpful, you know. Yeah. But if it's like going cold, then you would think that they would want to release that so they could find those vehicles. You know, yeah, try and get more leads. Yeah, because it seems like the first one was there to scout it out, and then like they were looking for a child. Yeah. And then they were mm-hmm. like, oh, there's this one. Like, this house has children out front. And then it's like they walkie-talkie the second vehicle, which yeah. actually, um, you know. Yeah, and they could have just been watching that them outside playing. Yeah. So very well could have been. The police cleared the Terrell family on, of any involvement in the disappearance and earlier believed the boy was abducted by an opportunistic stranger who may have connections with a pedophile ring. Mm. The police also believe that the boy could have been alive and in the hands of a group of people suspected of pedophilia activity, but that is no longer believed that the kidnapper is a part of this type of pedophile ring, which I don't know why all of a sudden they don't think that. The police have interviewed dozens of people, including a number of pedophiles. A current affair report reported that about 20 registered sex offenders were living in the surrounding area of Kendall where William went missing. Oh my gosh. Isn't that a lot? That I feel like that's a lot, but then I also probably should pay more attention, but I also don't really look at, like, I know you can, but I don't look up registered sex offenders in my area. There is a website that you could put in your address and see how many sex offenders live within, you know, one to 50 mile radius yeah and they will list their names they'll list what what they did yeah we actually had one in our apartment complex that um they had to get they gave us a postcard in the mail like letting us know that there was a registered sex offender moving in yeah so which was kind of weird i I don't think he lives here anymore but he was like charged he liked little 15 16 year old boys and girls Mm. so that was that was nice. Yeah. At least your apartment complex let you know. I think they have I think they have, they have to, to, especially if it's like a complex. Yeah. Yeah. I think and I think that if you move into an area, they have to let you know. But I don't know the rules of if like you move into an area where they are already living. I don't know if they have to tell yeah. you. I don't know. So that's where like having that website is mm-hmm. a nice little tool. Because even in, like, I live in, you know, a nicer neighborhood, and there's still, when I looked it up, there's still a couple that live within a couple-mile radius of me. Oh, yeah. No, they're could everywhere. They live in the nicest neighborhood, yeah. and they're just everywhere. So it sounds like, you know, these were estate houses, so mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It's all dependent upon your brain. Exactly. I mean, look at what's happening with, I mean, Jeffrey Epstein was one of the I don't know, super rich and look at him, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, 
It definitely doesn't doesn't matter what class you are. So William was in foster care at the time of his disappearance, which prevented his biological parents from being named for legal reasons. Mm-hmm. The legal reasons bound by the legislation prevented them from being identified publicly or holding any press conferences for the purpose of appealing publicity about their missing son. Yeah. So, you know, they weren't allowed to. And I couldn't find why that he was initially taken from his parents, but he had been living with his foster care family for quite a bit of time. He was taken when he was like seven months old from his parents. Mm-hmm. The foster care family was trying to adopt him oh, without like the other family actually knowing. So they were trying to do this like adoption without the family knowing. Mm-hmm. So on August 24th, 2017, the New South Wales Supreme Court of Appeals ruled that the status as a foster child and the fact that he disappeared while in state care with his foster parent was one of legitimate public interest. Hmm. Parents were previously allowed to speak during a 60-minute interview on the condition that they didn't show their faces. Mm. And this ended up getting a lot of backlash, the fact that these parents couldn't speak out about their own kid. Well, I mean, but that's the thing is you, you don't, you gave up, like you lost your child. Like you gave up your Mm -hmm. parental rights to your child. It doesn't mean you don't love them, but you can't speak out as a loving parent when you were unfit to be their parent. Right. Yeah. I just was interested in why they got taken away because it doesn't really say I couldn't find anywhere. And he was so young. And mm. one article mm. that I read said that he was with the parents. And then when the parents got back together, the courts took custody of the kid. So it's like, I don't know if they weren't good together and they were supposed to remain split up. But it was a really That's interesting. situation. Yeah. And then he doesn't really talk about it at all. Yeah. So... But it does, yeah, it doesn't mean that you don't love your kid. And I feel like they should still be able to speak out because, you know, they're, they're in state care. They are supposed to be like taking like better care mm-hmm. than their parent, like his actual parents, birth parents could. Yeah. And they, you know, and he disappeared in their care, technically. Yeah. Even though he was, you know, basically permanently housed with, with mm-hmm. someone at that time. But, it does still fall back on the like on the system of yeah making sure their kids are safe but i mean i know we'll talk about it just i mean i don't in in i don't know how the foster care system is in australia um yeah hopefully yeah, it's is- better than <laughs> than the, the us system but um but yeah. Yeah. So on September 12th, 2016, on the second anniversary of his disappearance, the government announced a $1 million reward for information on his whereabouts. Hmm. The police say that the reward will usually be paid out as conditional on the arrest and conviction of the offender. But the recovery of William had to be added as a condition in this reward. Hmm. Yeah. It's the largest reward offered to find a missing person in history um, for this government. The amount of the state's previous highest standing reward was half a million dollars. So the investigation into the disappearance of William remains a priority for the police force. And they said that the investigators would treat the case as though he was still alive until they had evidence proving otherwise. 
On February 20th, 2016, a police spokesperson said that the ongoing investigation was one of the biggest investigations being run by homicide and that they have not given up hope on finding him alive. Yeah. Allegations have been made of a bungled police investigation and focus on individual suspects. Um, Potential persons of interest were not formally interviewed early on. The disappearance was treated as a missing person search rather than a potential case of foul play, which he's so young that he cannot be a missing person. Yeah. Um, the street itself was not like taped off for days oh. afterwards, and potential evidence is believed to have been lost. I could definitely agree. It definitely sounds like there was a little bit of faulty police faulty police work. I don't know if that's the right word, yeah. but I feel you like know. it should be standard that children under a certain age are not missing persons. That it should all be considered, you know, that they didn't leave on their on own. their own accord. I would agree. Yeah. Because even if they wandered off, they don't have, like, the knowledge and ability to realize that they are or could be in danger, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. I would agree. But, yeah, so kind of falls in line with the other missing. Yeah. I think that's it. But if you are in Australia, keep an eye out for those cars. <laughs> I know. I know. So. As always, we'll do our, like, TikToks and our instagram facebook stuff so if you have um any cases that you would like us to cover send us an email at milk carton kids podcast at gmail.com yeah and if you liked this episode please subscribe and leave a comment please do yes and then until next time stay alert